stillness, stories after stroke. We spotlight wife and caregiver, Valerie Hollander. In 2019, Valerie suddenly became a full-time caregiver when her husband, Ron, suffered a major stroke. Valerie shares a variety of emotional phases, ways friends and family have helped, and healthy habits she's developed along the way. Her talk is entitled, Just Needed to Ask, A Caregiver's Journey. Thank you for joining us for part two, Valerie Hollander's interview. Hello and welcome to Beyond Stillness. Stroke offers a powerful, life-changing shift in perspective. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. This radio show, Beyond Stillness, offers an hour of pause for storytelling and reflection. Ultimately, Beyond Stillness is a welcoming environment that reveres the moment beyond strokes paralysis. Still moments unite humanity and divinity. I'm your host, Molly Bucola. Today we welcome guest Valerie Hollander from Chicago, Illinois. Some of her interests and passions are reading, yoga, cooking, entertaining, ladies' luncheons, and even an everyday dose of Jeopardy. Her greatest love is her husband, Ron, who suffered a stroke in 2019 when Valerie suddenly became his full-time caregiver. Her talk is entitled, Just Needed to Ask, A Caregiver's Journey. Before we begin, we take a moment of pause. Calling to mind people in our lives that may need an extra hand. People who may feel so overwhelmed or confused or sad. We send our thoughts to them today and we also Look within our hearts, our schedules, for ways to step up and serve those who need an extra helping hand. And now we call to mind moments in our lives where people offered us love, support, care in just the right moment. And we give thanks. Valerie, thank you so much for sharing the emotions that go along with the practical steps that you took. You honored that it was difficult. So let's go back to the beginning. After the confusion and the frenzy and the rush and the phone calls to family, 
at one point you were sitting in the hospital and had to just wait. You had done all you could. What was going through your mind, if anything, at that point? At that point, I didn't know what happened. You know, I suspected a stroke, but I didn't know much about that. I thought, is he going to be all right? What's going to happen? Mm. What's next in our life? Uh, when am I going to see him? But all of that was going through my mind, like, what is going to happen? Yeah, yeah, the the vast weight of it all and confusion. Oh. And what are Ron's residual effects? Well, he the short-term memory is really difficult for him. He gets frustrated, even angry sometimes because he just can't remember things. Um, for example, he'll ask me several times during the day what we're gonna have for dinner. And he, he gets frustrated and I have to use every patient bone in my body to answer him that what we're gonna have. Um, and so the short-term memory is very difficult for him. And the other thing is, as he can, he still can communicate so well. A lot of people that we meet don't understand what he's going through. He He's not the typical stroke survivor that's in a wheelchair, for example, or has some other incapacities, but his incapacities are real. And sometimes the conversation he has with people, I, I think people are looking at him like, I just told you that. Um, but so he does, he gets frustrated and then he gets, he gets angry. And that obviously upsets me too. A lot of patience, as you said, is necessary for, yeah. for being a wife, let alone a wife who's also a caregiver. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> but we make it work. Valerie, the stroke was Ron's stroke, but it affected your life substantially. And I'm wondering, what are your residual effects? What has happened to you since? Well, going through all of this, you know, the anxiety and the medications, which I no longer take. So I've gotten past that, but it's physically, the stress affects my stomach. And I have a lot of pain, a lot of indigestion. So that is, that is difficult when I'm not feeling physically well, that is the hardest thing. That, that's what I'm working on now is handling the stress in better ways, watching my diet and just handling that, that better. So those are some of the residual effects. Mm. Other than that, when I compare myself to four years ago, I'm happy now. You know, and four years ago, I was just devastated. So that's a positive thing. And hopefully it'll help me more with my stress level as well. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. You talked about the phases that you went to in order to get to contentment. What are some of the steps that you feel like you took in order to get to contentment? The most important thing I did is that I just needed to learn to ask. You know, I'm a strong woman. I'm, you know, capable. Ron and I have a great relationship and still do. And 
I, I thought I could do everything. And then it just, it just devastated me. I'm not able to do anything. And so I learned I need to ask for help. And you know what? I've developed so many more friendships just because I asked them to help me briefly. And they were thrilled to help me. And so my friendships with my other gals have deepened as well as my relationship with Ron. So that's some of the, because you went through so many difficult times and learned, I learned so many ways to help handle it mm. that it helped my life. You know, so even if you say having a stroke, there's never a silver lining, but the silver lining is you able to really look at your life, what's important to you and pursue it. Yeah. I'm a lot happier. Yeah. Yeah. What have you pursued? Well, you know, I've got, with social media, I've gotten into these groups that meet on Facebook. For example, I go to Coffee Club um, that meets about once a month. And I've met a, a wonderful young woman that organizes these coffee clubs, and you never know who's going to be there. You know, and so you meet, I met a woman that just got here from Russia. I met a woman from Turkey. I met a man that does like a, a, a coffee mug collection. Um, and so that I've broadened my my retirement as, as a matter of fact. Um, so pursuing the social media things, that's how I found a book club. Uh, so that, that really helped in, in improving my life. Wow. I heard you say at one point that you couldn't do everything. It was hard for you to realize that you couldn't do everything. Mm -hmm. And I was in a support group yesterday and they were talking about the moment that we need to release control. And sometimes it's a breaking point. And all of a sudden we've been trying to control everything. And then you realize yeah. we don't even know what we're dealing with here. Every stroke is different. The doctors don't know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So you took that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And spun it. You released control. You said, I can't do it. And then you asked for help. And then you had exercised that tool and you took it one step further in order to reach out to a book club and, and a coffee group and all of that in varying your days sounds like it has been a gift to you, but I'm sure it was a gift to other people too. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. Mm. Many caregivers suffer guilt and don't feel they can leave the side of their loved one. I would like you to speak a little bit to how you were able to eventually begin the process of self-care, how you were able to develop the courage to leave Ron for a couple hours. Having a cell phone, he knows how to get a hold of me, and I don't go too far. I, I'm usually, when I leave the house, I'm walking, I'm not driving, so I'm within close distance. That makes me feel better, and knowing that he knows how to call me if he needs anything helps. Now, I did go on one vacation 
uh, a delayed vacation because of COVID um, to go to Hawaii with my sister. And my niece, when she found out that I was contemplating, she says, I'm coming out to stay with Ron. Again, it's COVID. She could work from home. So she could work from my home. So my niece came out and stayed with Ron. And I was able to go to Hawaii. And again, I talked to Ron every day. You know, we got cell phones, obviously. Uh, Hawaii's not on the North Pole or anything, but but so so <laughs> I had a great vacation and knowing that and knowing that Chelsea was there with Ron and he had fun too. He had fun because because he got to spend one on one time with with our niece. Yeah. Yeah, just mixing it up a little bit. And it sounds like you're able to ask for help, but what a gift for people to step up without you asking. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, it helped. You know, and yes, people always do ask how I'm doing. Yeah. And I've learned, I tell them <laughs> whether it's good or bad. Yeah. That's another skill, Valerie. That's another skill to be able to take the question seriously when someone asks that rather than giving the automatic, I'm good or same or whatever it may be that we fill our responses with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You named four phases you went through from the time of round stroke to now. You named grief, anxiety, acceptance, and contentment. Were you able to name those phases when you were in the midst of them? No, no way. You know, it wasn't until I started reflecting back on the four years and I, I was thinking, gosh, I really feel good right now. Hmm. You know, what, what, what happened? And then of course, when I was trying to write my, my journey for you, I'm thinking, yeah, it was grief at first where I'm crying. And then this anxiety just overwhelmed me. Uh, I couldn't think, yeah. you know, the tears were kind of gone, but now it's just anxiety. And then finally, through all the help that I did have, you know, it took several years, you know, I just, well, this is my life and I'm making the best of it. Ron's making the best of it. Um, we've met some good friends and then all of a sudden it dawned on me that I'm content. Acceptance is a little different than content. Huh? I'm content with mine. I'm not just, well, this is the way it is, you know, I'm going to get up and get dressed and but I'm content with my life. I'm looking forward to whatever I'm going to do that day. Uh, even if it's answering Ron's question about what we're having for dinner, you know, I'm content. I'm content. I'm content with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell by the way that you res respond to the same question. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How did you acquire the language to name those phases? Gosh, I don't know. Um, well, it was just what I felt, you know. First, I was crying all the time. Second, I was shaking. Huh. And that's when the medication helped. Um, and then finally, I just said, this is dumb, you know. I got to get on with my life, you know. And I think that's the acceptance phase. 
mm-hmm. just recently because of writing this essay uh-huh. that I was really able to reflect on things. Huh. Hey, I like my life. Ron likes his life. Yeah, it's different than we anticipated. Like I say, we, we don't travel much. We don't do the things that we thought we might do, but we're happy with our life. So um, we're content. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. You mentioned grief in your talk, grieving what you and Ron had together in your relationship before the stroke. You also mentioned that the two of you have reached contentment again and again. You even said happy track. Yeah, yeah. How has your relationship deepened, grown, or benefited from this journey together? I I guess it's, we're more like we used to be before stroke. You know, we can joke about the fact that he asked me 13 times what dinner. Hmm. So we're, we're, we're dealing, we're having a sense of humor about everything. And we, we used to be like that, just real carefree with each other, joking with each other. Um, and I think that, that we've gotten back to that through these difficult times where I thought, how am I going to do this? And Ron was upset with me because he felt like I was telling him what to do. Did you take your medication? Did you do this? Did you do that? You know, but we've gotten to the period where we're just relaxed with each other again. We can joke about it, you know, that, you know, he, he, he can't remember things and we joke about it. And uh, I think that's, that's what, what we've changed. We're more comfortable with each other after a period of just being, he's angry and I'm upset and stressed out and we finally I'll even get him about being angry you know what are you angry about you know come on we got a good life be grateful for what you have you know mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's a beautiful thing when humor can be a pressure valve yeah yeah and it's interesting you have to know the person and and where they are in that moment to read whether or not yeah they can handle the humor, but it's clear that you and Ron know each other very well. Yeah. There was a period of time where, no, I didn't know what humor was, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. This is not funny. Nothing about it. <laughs> and that time might come back. It might happen tomorrow. I'm sure that we go in and out of those phases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. I, I do still use my breathing exercises that Lindsay taught me. I, I still do that and it, it helps a lot with the stress. And how do, how do you do your breathing exercises? Can you guide us through that a little bit? Yeah, well, I learned this through yoga. You take a, a deep breath for four counts, you inhale and then hold for four counts and then exhale. And when you get to the bottom of the exhale, you hold your breath. And you do that about oh, 10 times, depending on how anxious you are. But it just slows down everything. You're concentrating on breathing and you're not thinking about everything that's going on and what's going wrong. And and so that that's what really helps. It just slows down everything because you're just concentrating on inhaling, counting to five, and then exhaling counting to five and holding your breath. Um, 
So it really does help. And you can do it anywhere, you know. I mean, nobody knows what you're doing. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it here today as our moment of pause when we close. Sure, yeah. If you could say something to yourself in the hospital waiting room that day of the stroke, what would it be? In hindsight, I wish I had known how difficult it was going to be. But I also knew that I was a strong person and I was going to get through it. I, I really was pretty calm when I was at the hospital, just absorbing everything that the doctors were telling me. But I also had this voice in the back of my mind, mm. I can do this. I can I can handle anything. We can get through this. And we have. That's beautiful. Thank you, Valerie. Yeah. Thank you, Molly. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time to share your story. When we first met, you said that you loved writing, but you haven't taken so much time lately. So I'm grateful that you've taken this opportunity to to write about your process, because I think that it's a gift for all of us. It's a gift for people who are stroke survivors. It's a gift for caregivers. I think it's important that both stroke survivors and their partner slash caregivers have an open dialogue. And sometimes that can be really difficult. And sometimes there are better moments than others to share. But you've done a really good job of putting your thoughts and emotions on paper and telling us about your journey forward to contentment. Thank you. It was a blessing to have met you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Valerie. I'm going to take your advice. And for our moment of pause, as we close, we're going to practice a little box breathing, which is inhaling for five seconds, hold five seconds, exhale five seconds, hold five seconds. So that's an overview of what we're about to do. And you mentioned that we try not to let thoughts go through our minds, but our minds are made to think, right? So sometimes it's difficult. <laughs> we're thinking, <laughs> what's for lunch? Great what point. do I have to do yeah. on my to-do list? All of it. So during our moment of pause, yeah. maybe bring your attention to a part of your body, maybe the palms of your hands and witness how they look and feel in that moment. So let us begin settling your body into a space that it's comfortable, maybe dropping your shoulders down and back, deciding which part of your body you'd like to focus on for this moment of pause. And with an inhale, one, two, three, four, five, hold, one, two, three, four, five, exhale slowly, one, two, three, four, five, hold, two, three, four, five, 
Now repeat on your own with an inhale. Hold. Exhale. Hold. Inhale. Hold. Exhale. Hold. And on your own. And with the final inhale, exhale it all out. Valerie, I'm so thankful for our time together. Thank you for sharing today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a blessing to have met you. space to listen to part two Valerie Hollander's interview. For the full story, please listen to part one Valerie Hollander's story. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. In this episode of Beyond Stillness, guest Valerie Hollander offered her story entitled, Just Needed to Ask, A Caregiver's Journey. She shared about four distinct emotional phases and ways she addressed each. She also offered gratitude to family, friends, and the stroke community for ways they have supported her journey to contentment. She and her husband, Ron, are embracing the new normal. If you enjoyed this moment of pause, storytelling and reflection, please like, share, or subscribe to the Beyond Stillness Stories After Stroke podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, as part of the stroke community, you are more than supportive. You are inspirational. If you are part of the stroke community and have a story you'd like to share on the show, please contact us email M-O-L-L-Y at beyondstillness.org.